for tuning in to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I am a licensed professional counselor with a private practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And on the Push Through Podcast, we're going to talk all things motherhood, womanhood, childhood, and everything in between. And sometimes random things that are on my mind. So please sit back, relax, and let's have a chat. This week's episode is sponsored by The Birth Lounge. Did you know that some studies show up to 70% of women experience birth trauma during their labor and delivery? In 2019, the New York Times featured an article that highlighted how traditional childbirth education fails to accurately prepare women for birth. If you're an expecting parent, you've no doubt noticed the overwhelming information and fear-based education surrounding having a baby. I'm delighted to introduce to you The Birth Lounge, a modern approach to preparing for a baby. The Birth Lounge is an online membership driven by evidence-based information and research to help you navigate pregnancy, prepare for birth, and avoid birth trauma. You will gain instant access to the latest research and hottest topics to help you know your options and explore your rights so you can birth like a queen. You deserve a birth that is trauma-free. Visit www.thebirthlounge.com to take control of your birth and achieve your ideal labor. Use code PUSHTHROUGH5, that's PUSH, T-H-R-U, the number five, to save $5 off each month. For more information, follow Tranquility by Hehe on Instagram. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. Today I am sitting on the floor in my bedroom because <laughs> my house is a mess. Um, this weekend, so much is going on. Um, Saturday I'm having my blessing way, which I told you about. And on Sunday we're having a sprinkle that a friend of mine is throwing for me. And I didn't even necessarily think to have a sprinkle because I'm having a boy with the second pregnancy. I had a boy with my first pregnancy. I saved everything for my first pregnancy. So I didn't think about having any type of celebration or anything because um, we kind of have everything that we need. (laughs) But my husband really wanted to have one and my friend thought that it was necessary and she believes in celebrating every baby. So she so kindly decided to put it on and throw it. And I thought it was going to be small and intimate. And now it's probably going to be a good bit of people that will be coming to our home. So we're just doing a lot of stuff, um, painting, reorganizing, cleaning, shampooing carpets. Um, my One of my best friends is flying in from Maryland on Friday, have some friends staying over on Saturday to be here on Sunday. And it's it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Tomorrow's my last day that I'm going to be in the office for the week. And this is kind of like a pamper week for me to get ready. So today I got my hair pressed out by my hairstylist, Kaylee. Follow her at Simply Slade. She's amazing. She does good work. She's been doing my hair since 2015. And my hair is very healthy. So I love her. And um, 
Let's see, tomorrow I'm gonna get a pedicure. And then on Thursday, I'm getting my nails done by my friend Crystal's nail tech, Tiara. And Tiara is one of those super creative nail techs. I feel like I should call her something else, like nail artist or something. Like saying nail tech doesn't seem to like do her justice. But I've looked at her work and I love Crystal's nails every time she gets them done. And I see girls like on Instagram who has like all of these pretty nails with all this cute little art and, and it just looks so nice. And I've never been this nail person because I've always been a big typer, writer, and nails just like always got in my way. And then growing up, I've always played sports, played basketball, and we couldn't have nails. Um, so I just didn't have them. And I bite my nails also, which is not appealing or attractive at all. But I do, so I'm excited to get some some hip, up-to-date nail art. Um, my friend, Nasika, who's flying in, she always gets her nails done, and they always look flawless. Like, that's, that's her thing. She's just all about that life. So I'm getting that done on Thursday, and then Thursday afternoon, I'm getting my facial by my esthetician. Um, Kim, who does great work, she's been taking care of my skin during this pregnancy. My first pregnancy, my skin looked like shit, to be quite frank. Hormones took over. I'm one of those people who need all the chemicals. I need all the salicylic acid, the benzoyl peroxides, the chemical pills, the antibiotics. Can't take none of that while I'm pregnant or breastfeeding. So that in combination with testosterone, hormones, my skin just does its own thing. So she's been able to tame it since I've been pregnant this time around. So I have some scarring. It's not as nice as it was pre-pregnancy, but it is doable, <laughs> this pregnancy. So I go for maintenance for her. And Kim is great. I'm going to have her on the show at some point just to give women some tips on taking care of your skin because I didn't realize how important skin maintenance is for everybody is not something to be neglected, but something to take as seriously as you would exercise or as you would your hair or your nails. Um, so that's going to be on Thursday. Then on Friday, um, I go to my OBGYN for my appointment and hopefully on Thursday, the house will be resolved and everything will be set up for the weekend. So on Friday, I can just welcome my friend and we can just sit back and chill and laugh and catch up. And I'm hoping to sneak in some time to interview her for next week's episode because she is a mother of four and she has a lot of tea to spill about that life. And then there's the blessing way, <laughs> which I'm super excited. My doula just left the house. She had to scope everything out for setup. And she told me she's bringing two apprentices with her for the event. So that's just like, oh my God, like I'm so excited. <laughs> and I was telling her, I'm one of those people who I don't do well with a lot of attention. I, it's just weird for me. Um, I'd rather pay a lot of attention to other people. Um, I like to help other people. It's hard for me to ask for help. And whenever I do receive help, I feel indebted to people. Like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to do something for them because I owe them so much for everything that they've done. So like this literally making me the center of attention all weekend, it just feels weird. It almost feels like I'm getting married or something. <laughs> like it feels 
so weird, but I'm going to just try to just let go and let God and just, you know, receive all of this good, positive energy. Um, so this has been a good week. Last week was tough. Last week was really, 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 really tough. And it was rough. It was rough for my body, mentally, just trying to get everything organized and together. But this week has been a breath of fresh air. And then me and my husband did some meditation <laughs> We're, like, I'm such a therapist. We did meditation on Sunday, burned some sage, wrote some notes for our intentions for the rest of the year, did a reset. <laughs> and um, and I felt like that, that really took on because I feel it spiritually. I feel it. Um, so uh, before I get into this week's episode, there's just so much I have to tell you. Um, but the first things first is I always like to give you a heads up on the things that I'm into. So right now I'm watching a show called High Fidelity and it's on Hulu. It is starring Zoe Kravis, who I like. I really like, I've always liked Zoe, um, but I didn't really like take notice notice of her, like as her acting ability until I saw her in Big Little Lies on HBO which I was a fan of that novel. So I was all about the TV series, which was casted very well, acted very well. And I know it ended after the two seasons, but if you haven't checked that out, it's a really great show. Um, so now she's starring in her own show and she's the executive producer and it's based off of a film that came out in 2000. So let me tell you about the film. So the film stars John Cusack, who is the owner of a failing record store in Chicago where he sells music the old-fashioned way on vinyl. Although they have an encyclopedic knowledge of pop music and are consumed by the music scene, it's of no help to Rob, whose needle skips the love groove when his long-term girlfriend Lara walks out on him. As he examines his failed attempts at romance and happiness, the process finds him being dragged, kicking and screaming into adulthood. So they revamped it and turned it into something modern for 2020. So this is 20 years later. And instead of it starring John Cusack, it's now starring Zoe Kravis. So same scenario, same setup. And what you'll love about the film is the soundtrack. So Questlove does the soundtrack for the show. Every single hit on the show is good. Doesn't matter if it's like light rock. Doesn't matter if it's R&B, reggae, rap. They had like a whole talk about like the Outkast album. So you know I'm like all about good music. So this is like right up my alley. And this is a show that you have to like catch yourself because you could easily just like binge watch this. And Zoe does a really great job in it. Really great cast, diverse cast, which I'm always for because I hate shows where there's no black people as if there's no black people in the world. But there's tons of different types of people on the show. So it's really good. Um, and there was a song that they played on the first episode that reminded me of, I don't know, just like being in my mom's hometown, Devereux, Georgia, on a Saturday night at a fish fry while the adults are playing spades and they are beyond tipsy and there's night uh, or light bugs flying around kids running around it's late but it's so peaceful you're out in the country and it is just like fun like this is what this song took me back to when I heard it 
right I love it um obviously we know it from Missy Elliott sampling it but um it's also a song by Ann Peoples and check out the show you'll love it it's great um something that I didn't get to mention about the blessing way that I'm also excited about so I'm gonna do a whole episode about just growing up in the south of Georgia and what like what's that like because often I'm in spaces where I'm in a room and I'm the only person that's originally from Georgia because we have so many transplants. And then being a woman who was raised in the South is so significant. And I used to think that I used to admire other people's cultures, rather they were Jamaican or African or Trinidadian or Bohemian. And I used to feel like we had no culture until I really stepped back and just saw everything that I was exposed to musically, food-wise, dress-wise, just things that we would do on the weekend. And it just really made me realize how important and valuable my Southern culture is to me. And I love being a Black woman from the South. So at my blessing way, the dinner menu is soul food. And my mother is cooking. And she's cooking my favorite meal, (laughs) which is fried chicken, collard greens, cornbread, candied yams, macaroni and cheese with banana pudding and red velvet cake and sweet tea. Of course, we'll have wine, which I can't drink, but for everybody else. And she was just like, why do you even want this? And I'm like, if I was on death row and someone asked me, what do you want your last meal to be? This would be my last meal. And I almost wanted to be like, can you throw in some fried green tomatoes? (laughs) But I was like, this is just too much. But um, I'm super excited about that because I feel like just that in itself, just the food that we eat and what I grew up of just is so nostalgic to me. So that's a piece of it. But before I get too much into what's going on, let's hop into today's show. Um, Today, I am talking to my friend, Catherine. And Catherine unlike everyone else who's been on the show interviewed so far, is a friend of mine who made the conscious decision that she did not want to have children. And this was something that her and her husband both agreed upon. And so we're going to explore how she reached that decision. What are the people that are around her that say whatever they say to her because she has made that decision? Because being that we are in the South, society puts all these pressures on women and people like to be nosy about other women's wombs oftentimes and give their opinions. So sit back, have a listen, and um, let me know what you... All right, so 
I am here for our next episode of the Push Through Podcast, and I am honored that my friend Catherine has decided to join me. And it's so random because I texted her and I said, hey, Catherine, you want to be on my show? <laughs> and she said yes. So she's here. Hello. Hello. I'm super glad you're not on video because you can see me like blushing and being shy right now. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It is what? A Tuesday? Yeah, it is Tuesday. It's Tuesday. The yes. days go by very, very quickly sometimes, and I always forget what day it is. <laughs> I'm blessed because Catherine works not far from my house, so she was able to stop by to record really quick. And just to give you a background on Catherine, so Catherine, since I've known her, has always been a really sweet, ambitious, hardworking, career-driven... <laughs> Too hard. <laughs> Italian woman, mm -hmm. um, and she's always very orderly, very structured, um, get things done type of person. Like if you were planning an event, she is the person you want to like lead it. Maybe that's a career I should look into. <laughs> <laughs> and like not seem like stressed or overwhelmed about it. Like she's just very good. And so with the podcast being about womanhood and how we become who we are, I thought that she would be a great person to interview for various reasons Thank you. and you're originally from Maryland I am what part outside of Baltimore I grew up in a town called Linthicum 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 is how I spell always used to remind myself when spelling it because that's how it's spelled phonetically but Linthicum when you say it really quickly um, it's where the airport is. I, I grew up next oh, to the airport. Oh, okay. I can, <laughs> I can walk from my parents' house to the airport. Really? Yeah. If, oh, if I cool. really, really wanted to. Nice. But, nice. Yeah. Okay. So how was it growing up there? Ah, uh, I loved it. I mean, I had a really, I think I had a really good childhood and, you know, your average American, nothing like crazy outlandish or anything, very middle-class upbringing. Um, my parents actually went... I grew up in that town too. They're high school sweethearts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they met in high school. And when I went to high school and my brother went to high school, our high school is the merging of their high school and another high, local high school. You know, schools merge and stuff, different population sizes and stuff. So so we had some of the same teachers that they had. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That was fun. And uh, a lot of the kids I grew up with, our parents all grew up together or, you know, were friends or mingled or hmm. maybe even went on a couple dates. Oh, cool. Which was funny. I think I went on a date with a guy and my mom had gone on a date with her, his dad. Wow. That was awkward. Would you <laughs> say it was like a small town or I feel like average? It, I would, I feel like it's probably an average town, but it does have a small town feel. Baltimore in general, some people call it small to more. Hmm. I never heard that. Yeah. Cause whenever you, I mean, obviously I've moved pretty far away, but people seem to move away or come back or somehow know someone from Baltimore or lived there or has a family member living there. It's really funny. Every time I say I'm from Baltimore, someone in the room says, oh, I blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Small to more. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you have a brother. It's just the two of you. It's just the two of us. He is a younger, my, my younger brother by two years and 11 days. So you're the oldest and the only girl. Yes. How was that? Um, <laughs> uh, growing up, uh, I didn't, I didn't really notice a different, like my parents didn't treat us too differently until teenagers, mm. of course. So I am also... 
My brother is extremely intelligent too, mm. but I, I, I think I'm just like the overachiever. Like I really want to like achieve recognition and, and, and do the best. Not that he doesn't want to do the best. Yeah, he does too. But like, I, I don't know. There's just something like, I just wanted to be into everything. Um, and, uh, so I was very, very busy in high school, you know, as you know, student government, palm squad, drama, lacrosse, uh, basketball for a while there, hmm. um, honors club, Spanish club, volunteering. That makes sense. I was very busy. Was this like in quote unquote competition with him or was no. that like the standard in the house was to just be an extracurricular kid? That was just me. I, I don't even, my parents didn't even push me to do those things. Mm. Like they definitely pushed me to have good grades. Like my brother and I always got A's and B's like all, all through school, um, and I really tried for straight A's. I think I usually I usually got straight A's. There were a couple B's in there. But um, um, I don't know what it was. I just always wanted to be the best or do a lot of things. I mean, I, I just, I did, I did a, they didn't put too much pressure on me to be number one at mm-hmm. everything, but they always encouraged. Um, did you feel like pressure? Did you have pressure no, on you? Or you just no. enjoyed it? I just enjoyed it. Okay. I think I enjoyed making people proud and make, making people happy and, and feeling proud in, in the work that I would accomplish mm. or that I would do. Mm-hmm. Now, the differences in, in treatment really came down to, I think my, my parents were very, especially my dad, were very strict. Like, we always had a meal together at the house for dinner, mm-hmm. uh, which was difficult growing up when we were younger because they were going to college my parents were, they each took turns going to college mm. while we were kids. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lot of extracurriculars. Um, so, but we always still had a meal together every, I think almost every single night we would always eat the four of us That's together. That's awesome. And um, so, so once I got to high school and I wanted to do other things, it started, I think my dad started seeing me wanting to date boys. And so I just felt like, in high school, they were more strict on me about curfews and who I was hanging out with and what I was doing, even though I was this little goody two-shoes. Because <laughs> so, you were the girl. You weren't the boy. I was the girl. I was the first child. I think that's what I think that's what it was. I'm, I've said it to them, and they completely deny it. I'm sure <laughs> if they listen to this, they will deny it to my face again. But I, I, I also got my license, I think almost a year after I was 16. Like, my dad did not want me driving. Mm. So I, I wasn't allowed to get my license, but he got his license right when he was 16. <laughs> Very delicate. Yes, yes. So, I don't know. There really wasn't too much different treatment, but I did feel like they were pretty strict on me considering I was such a goody two-shoes. <laughs> they were strict for no reason, because just naturally... I think so. You just did what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Like, they, ne- they never had to tell us to do our homework. Well, yeah, definitely not me. They never had to tell me to do my homework or study extra hard or, you know, take the AP class or file for the scholarships or anything like that. Like, I knew I had to do it. That's awesome that that was just innate, that you just had that. Mm -hmm. Did your parents model that at all for you? Mm, Yeah, my parents are extremely hardworking. Um, It was different, though, because, like... Like I said, they had, what, a five and a six or a nine, or no, I'm sorry, a nine and a seven-year-old or an 11 and a nine-year-old because we're two years mm-hmm. apart, right? So they, these kids, from the moment we were like five years old until I think we were about 14, one of them was going to school at night. 
my dad, they, they were both working. I think my mom worked part-time a little bit when we were really, really little. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they were both full-time workers. They drove 45 minutes in and out of wow. work because we were about 30, 45 minutes from their office. And uh, so they would, they would drive a long way. One of them would then go to college at night. The other would come home, feed us, take us to director curriculars, all that, and then and then graduate. Mm. And then the next, then I think my mom did it first, and then my dad did it, or my dad and then my mom. So they they were extremely hardworking. I don't know how, because I'm their age now when they had like little children mm-hmm. and going to college and working full time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have kids right now, right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm working one job. And I already have my college done, so like I don't know, I don't know how they did it. Cause did they I have support? Like that you have any extended family? Yeah, well, so obviously everybody grew up. My my, my one grandmother lived up the street. My other grandmother lived down the street, essentially. <laughs> so when we were really little, my mom's mom watched us, and then when we were probably elementary, middle school, a friend of a a friend of ours, she was watching a bunch of kids. So then she would watch us. We did daycares a little bit. So we like had. Um, a combination of daycare and friends and family watching us in the afternoons when we weren't at school or in the summertime watching us at the pool, which would be a sweet job if I was, like, <laughs> was Miss Pep today because all we do is go to the pool all day and she made sure we were alive and fed and not, you know, doing bad things. And that's awesome. So Nice. Yeah. And then once I was 16, uh, I just, I worked. It was either at school, extracurriculars, or working. Where did you work? I was a lifeguard. Oh, cool. I was a lifeguard from 16 to 22. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I managed pools for a while at the end, obviously. Lifeguard, lifeguard manager, pool manager, that kind of thing. Um, And then I worked as a waitress as well while lifeguarding through college. Like, I just... So I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. they're... Their work ethic to do better, to have more, and, um, you know, just work really hard. I think that's what they imparted on me for sure. Okay. Do, well, I guess let me ask this. How was the transition out of the home into college? That was rough. Was it? Yes. That was so rough for me, which I did not see coming at all. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that coming. Because if anything, most would think like, oh, freedom, like I'm out, like, thank God. Yeah, it did not go that way. <laughs> I was so ready that summer. I was so ready to leave. Um, I had an older boyfriend my senior year, um, so he he was actually three years older than me, and I dated him like from late sophomore year, I think, through my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. So that was like the one bad thing I did was I had a boyfriend that was older than me, but he was also like the sweetest guy Aww. ever. <laughs> like. The, the best, like, if in that situation, could not have picked a better boyfriend. Oh, that's nice. So wonderful. He, like, never did anything bad. He was just so sweet, and I just love him to death. But, uh, so, went to college. I had never, ever been away from home that long, alone. I'd never gone to camp. My, we, we never paid for camps or anything like that. They're ridiculously priced. And I, yeah. It just didn't seem to be as big of a thing as it is down here in Georgia oh. with all of my colleagues that have kids I feel like they go to like 15 different camps yeah. every summer for age and stuff yeah. yeah so um so I never did that so I had never been away from home without my parents like for a prolonged period of time so and I was ready I had, had an older boyfriend so like there were a lot of fights in the house about that and just me being an adult in general mm-hmm. 
Because you were going to school where? University of Maryland, which was only 35 to 45 minutes down the road. (laughs) So let's just, we're all Technically, you could have commuted it. Technically, I could have commuted, <laughs> but my parents, I think my parents really wanted me to be away from the boyfriend oh, okay. and to experience college life. I mean, they didn't get that life, mm-hmm. slash there was an older boyfriend, so they were probably worried I was like going to you know, limit myself or not have the experience or whatever, which to their credit, I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I lived away. Um, so, <laughs> but it makes the story really funny because I was like less than 45 minutes from home, but they dropped me off. I am like ready to get out of there. And then I have my first, like, panic attack that night because I realize, oh, my God, I don't know anyone, which was also really weird because I'm only 45 minutes and I was, like, one of three people in my high school class that went there. Oh, wow. And I wasn't friends with the other three people, nor did I know where they were on campus. Mm. So I was alone for the first time ever. I didn't know anyone. I was a goody two-shoes, so I didn't drink. I didn't do, do drugs. I never partied. And here I am on a college campus, and all of these kids are just freaking going crazy wild because it's like the first week. I was like, oh, I was so shocked. (laughs) And I was away from my boyfriend and all of them. You know, I just, I knew nothing. So I had like my first like change anxiety attack. Like I felt nauseous and sweaty and I was crying and I couldn't eat. And I I was like, oh, it was so bad. So my first year of college, I came home almost every weekend. Now I did make friends and... I met a new guy, and he was so understanding and calming, and um, also another great boyfriend. <laughs> um, so he was kind of my college boo, but um, took about a year to get used to the whole, I'm an adult now, I'm on my own, there are changes, big changes in life coming, and like it was just a weird sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's good. Uh, so how did you, you just kind of pushed yourself? Pushed through. I did see a therapist on campus. Oh, that's good. Um, they give you like six, every freshman gets mm. like six free sessions. So I did that to try and learn some like breathing and coping mechanisms and just realizing uh, the world isn't ending and it's just big changes that I need to push through. Good. Um, I also learned my my best coping mechanism is distraction. <laughs> Keeping myself busy. So I just like threw myself into like clubs again. Ah, extracurricular Clubs and meeting people and, and stuff like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. So through this, do you feel like, because oftentimes like I like to kind of reflect back on how our mothers influence us, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our moms can like, prepare us or not prepare us for example I don't feel like my mom prepared me as far as getting a wax before I wore a bikini like that was never a conversation that we oh, had yeah. oh no I'm there. <laughs> that was just something like I just had to figure out on my own yeah and I don't know if she knew to like oh let me check this off you know my list of things to talk about with Keisha <laughs> she was more so focused on like um don't leave a drink out when you're at a bar or <laughs> You know, be careful who you hang out with or don't leave the house after dark, stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. like womanly things or relationship things, we didn't really talk about. But how, as you transition into adulthood, how was your relationship with your mom? Um, Hmm. So I think some of those big conversations also did not take place. Like (laughs) the waxing conversation (laughs) definitely didn't take place. Um, I also have significant, for hygiene, like, I am Italian, so I have, I I grew up 
pretty quickly and mm-hmm. I had a lot of hair all over the place so I had to start <laughs> shaving very young um so and I think I think my mom wasn't ready for that she she handed me the her ladybug electric razor <laughs> I think when I was like maybe in third or fourth grade. oh wow third grade really yeah I think I started shaving like way back then but um like this was like a probably a 20 year old device at that point because my mom my parents they were high school sweethearts I forgot to mention this High school sweethearts, but they waited nine years to have kids. Mm. So my mom didn't have me until she was like 29, I think. Okay. 28 or 29. Um, so this ladybug had to have been 20 years old. <laughs> An electric 20-year-old razor. I can't even imagine using something that's 20 years old right now. But Because um, technology changes so fast. So that's how I shaved my legs the first time. And, of course, electric razors, stubble, not very good. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that didn't go over too well. I definitely <laughs> changed over to the regular ones. Um Pretty soon after, um, I think, and I think I've talked about, you know, because everybody says, "Well, how did you learn about, you know, sex and stuff like that?" Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't remember my parents ever talking to us about it. No, because we had sex education in fifth grade at school, like it was part of the curriculum. Boys and girls in separate rooms. Yeah, and that's that. how I was. But I think I even knew about it before then because I had. I grew up with my cousins and stuff, and I think one of them had told us what it was. I I legitimately can't remember the conversation <laughs> about when I learned it or how I learned it or things like. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things like that where you're like, oh, I re- everybody else is like, I have the story when I learned blah blah blah. And I'm like, I really can't remember. Mm. Things just I just kind of learned and ro- rolled with it, learned and rolled with it. So I can't remember that. So we didn't we didn't have that mother daughter conversation about sex and love and stuff like that. What type of conversations did y'all have? Um, gosh. Mm, I guess we talked a lot about work and school and stuff because we'd have those over-the-dinner-table conversations. So my brother and I would be part of, like, what was going on with my parents' days and how were things going at work and who was doing what. And then we did a lot of um, game nights with our friends and their parents were a couple couples we'd get together and bring the kids and so i don't know i think we talked a lot about current events things going on in the world we didn't have too many like deep deep conversations growing up i think that that probably permeates in my life today (laughs) was that something you had to seek out within friends yes definitely i i have those deeper conversations with my friends now, mm-hmm. I didn't have deep conversations with friends in high school either. Did you in college? In college, yeah, more so, a little bit more. But it really didn't start until, like, I feel like I have formed my deepest friendships post-college. Mm. Like, yeah. Gotcha. So it was a lot of you kind of figuring things out on your own and just dealing with it within your head. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily having, like, a voice to bounce it off of or someone else to talk about with yeah so who would you say was the parent between your father and your mom that you identified most with probably my dad how come um i think it i think it comes down to uh, work this is working with our hands a lot mm-hmm. um i i did violin when i was like five and six and my grandmother his mother would play the piano and I, I would work with her and then he I he would teach me and play the piano at home and try and get me to practice every night mm-hmm. and so there was like this musical connection um 
also he he builds things all around the house. He used to build model airplanes or oh, cool. train gardens and um so working with his hands and crafting, which I love doing, mm-hmm. um, I've you know tried to pick that up as a relaxation technique, especially mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. Uh, just anything that I'm working with my hands. Uh, we both are hot tempered um, and very very determined. Not, but my mother is too. She's very very hardworking and compassionate and caring to others. Mm-hmm. Like she always puts everybody before herself. Um, and I don't feel like I do that all the time. I feel like I'm kind of, I'm caring and compassionate, but like my mom takes it to the extreme. Really? Yeah. Like to the detriment of herself. Like I I always, I keep asking her, I was like, mom, stop doing all these church luncheons. Just, (laughs) (laughs) just worry about yourself. They'll they'll find some wraps and rolls somewhere else. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I probably personality wise and things that I like to do and everything I probably relate more to my dad um yeah gotcha yeah okay and now for a quick break so guys I wanted to tell you about a couple of workshops that we have coming up with push through and my private practice The first one is The Balance, which is gonna be a virtual group. And this is for mothers that are struggling to find balance, rather that's with their career, being a stay-at-home mom, or finding balance with just their own interests and being a mother, a wife, a daughter, all things in general. Being able to have a space to talk about the struggles while also gaining some tools and coping skills at the same time. This is a one-hour group. Um, Our first one that we're going to have virtually is March 18th. It's $25 per group, and it's from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. So it's at a convenient time for you to come home, cook dinner, put the kids down, and then have some me time for yourself to be able to just connect and release. The second workshop that we're having, which is going to be hosted on March 14th as well as October 10th, is a couples workshop. This is in person from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's $150 per couple. And this workshop is geared for any couple that is expecting a baby. So these are tools and coping skills to be able to be on the same page for motherhood and fatherhood. Oftentimes we can think that our child rearing ideas are the same until we're faced with it in front of us and we realize that they're a little different. So this workshop is geared to help couples be able to work on their communication skills, to really talk out scenarios that they might not have thought about otherwise, and learn ways to properly support one another while also staying connected and grounded as a couple. Um, The other thing I wanted to share is we now have a postpartum packet, which is up and available on the website. So this is for any mom that is expecting. The packet is geared to help mom plan for a better postpartum experience. So that's helping her plan for what is her support system going to look like? What's meal planning going to look like? If she is in a desperate situation where she needs to rest, who can she call? Who can she vent to? What are some resources for mental health? What are some resources for the couple as a complete unit? How can she still be grounded and identify the person that she was before she became birth? So this pack packet is up and available on our website. Plus, we're also going to be having 
a virtual workshop for the packet as well if you would opt to do the combo or you could just get the packet alone. So join us for our workshops, gift a workshop, get a packet, gift a packet, whichever. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at Keisha at KeishaReeves.com. Now let's get back to the show. So then after college, what happened next? Let's see. Um, So after college, I moved back home because I was a poor journalist making no money. (laughs) So I lived, I think I was upstairs in my old bedroom when I first moved home. Then, uh, you know, I was working and then the recession happened. Mm. So I was let go with a, and it wasn't just like, is this what, 2008? Yes. Okay. Yeah. End of 2008. So I, they, it, it was like a big sacking. Like they, they got rid of the, from the vice president down to me. It was like wow. 10 of us. It was an entire department they whacked because it was really bad. Um, and I guess that must have been hard because you are such a hard worker. And yeah, and it was my first job out of college too. Yeah. So it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked. I had an apartment and everything. I had to deal with a terrible landlord um, at that situation and try and get it out of the lease because... I, I like as soon as I got let go, I was like I called him and was like, "Hey, I just lost my job. We, can we work something out?" And mm-hmm. That was a whole deal, but I took care of it. I found a new renter and got out of the lease. Like I, I took you know mm-hmm. proactive steps to you know take care of things. I got a job at the Cheesecake Factory for like five or six months, nice. and then I started working back up at the local TV station. Same company. They hired you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like they got rid of us for bad performance. They got rid of us because the economy was tanking. So they happened to have an opening. And wow. five months later, I went back to work for them at, at just the local station. So you bounced back. I bounced back. It was, it was a quick bounce back. So it wasn't too devastating. That's good. Um, yeah, so... Did you learn anything about yourself? Uh, that I could... Yeah. I guess I forgot about it until you just asked me. <laughs> I guess I did. I, I learned that I could adapt in a crappy situation mm-hmm. quickly. Make an action plan, figure it out, find a solution. Which in so many ways, like, you kind of did that when you went away to college. Yep. Like, not that it was crappy, but it was unfamiliar. And you adapted and you figured it out. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For certain. <laughs> now that I think about it. Pat and then the, I'm patting myself on the back. <laughs> and so fast forward, now you have a really great job, mm-hmm. and you've climbed up the corporate ladder. Oh yeah, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> and you've done really well for yourself, and you work really hard. I remember when we used to have. So Catherine and I are part of a group of women <laughs> where we do potluck dinners, yeah. and we rotate quarterly I would say Mm -hmm. at each other's houses and she would talk about how much she worked and I felt exhausted listening (laughs) to you talk about it (laughs) like having like you would get off at like six you'd come home but you'd still be working and maybe you would pick up dinner Mm -hmm. or y'all would go out to dinner and then you'd be like on your laptop and then like on Saturdays you'd still be like on your laptop and Mm -hmm. maybe Sundays Mm -hmm. you would like lay off a bit but yeah you you did a lot like how yeah how? It was unhealthy. <laughs> it was unhealthy. How? How did you do that? I don't know. There were definitely... So when I left the TV... I moved to 
Georgia with my then fiance and now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got out of the television business a year later, news business, and started working as a marketing manager. And honestly, when I made the transition, I was like, you know, we, we moved to Georgia for Michael's career. I am unhappy in mine. I'm making a change. And I'm, I'm just going to do something that I like, I'm happy with. I just need something, like, to be somewhat fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And then I get there, and that's just not how I'm wired. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to improve that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Why are we doing this? This is a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. So there were times where I would... Uh, I would be like coasting and I'd be like, no, this, this isn't me. And then I just, I, I found happiness in making things better or making a process better, making a team better, um, making work better for other people. Mm -hmm. And whenever I have a task at hand, like if I had a supervisor that would say, I need you to, and it's this important because blah, I, I just attack it and I want to achieve it and I want to make things better for other people and the company and that's when I'm most energized there was one role I had um, a couple years ago at Acuity and uh, director of creative operations and my boss was basically like we need to have an implementation system a, a creative system to get the requests flowing and understand the real demand on our creative team and that was such an important task and fulfilling that I would and, and exciting. It was like solving a puzzle. Mm. I was coming in at like six in the morning oh, or wow. six thirty in the morning and staying till six or six thirty at night. And I was totally energized. I didn't feel tired at all. <laughs> I was wow. just so excited. I mean, it was it was good. And I d- I do work a lot, but there were also times when I overdid it. Mm-hmm. Like that I was working and, and it wasn't energizing. And I've learned in the last year and a half, and I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to find healthier ways to enjoy work, work hard, but also have that balance of taking care of myself Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, having a life outside of my job. Right. So. But I I also think that it's, it's, I can see how it could have been conflicting because you really enjoyed what you did, Mm -hmm. and you're a person who likes to do things mm-hmm. um like with extracurriculars in college and in high school and so that kind of like fed you like how you said you weren't necessarily like tired where mm-hmm. for an outside person can look at like a job like that and be like oh my gosh how could you put in 12 14 hours a day mm-hmm. where it wasn't that bothering until recent where you said i should find like better balance yeah that's good yeah it uh it if I think it would be a completely different situation 10 years ago. So it, it took it took all of these years of experience in different jobs and different people and the friends that I've met along the way. Like, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I wouldn't realize all of these you know, deeper conversations that I would have about life, love, and work, and family and stuff mm-hmm. um, if I hadn't met the people that I've met today. So Nice. So with that, so if we look at like your timeline of your life, you came from a two-parent home, mm-hmm. pretty traditional. Yep. Did well in school, went to college, got a degree, worked in like TV broadcasting, yeah. worked in news, and then transitioned over into marketing, have a great corporate job, you have a great title, married, and you've decided that you don't want to have children. Yeah, that's a shocker to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> now tell, tell me why that is. How did you come to that? There is not one reason. Hmm. It's not just one reason. It's... Um, it's lifestyle, it's genetics, it's f- 
fear of losing control and not knowing everything and not having 100% control. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, you know, uh, looking out into the world and seeing so many kids out there that don't have good families and and could use a good family. Mm. And, um, so one lifestyle, my husband and I, we love to travel and have exotic trips. We've they been, went to Tanzania last yeah, year yeah. and they're going to New Zealand this year. Yeah, <laughs> we like to have those exotic. I think one year we went to like three or four different countries mm. or something. Like they stayed on like a wildlife reserve, yeah, right? Yeah, we, we were. And we did were, a safari. Yeah, we were glamping in the uh, Serengeti. <laughs> Definitely glamping. I'm not a camper. <laughs> there were glamping situations. Um, but yeah, like wild animals. I think one night my husband was woken up by a wildebeest or something or a, a, a buffalo eating grass outside our tent. He was like terrified. <laughs> he said he was trying to figure out ways to protect me if it were to come into the tent. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we love travel. We have a little dog that we overindulge (laughs) um just love on to death but um you know our family is like 600 miles away so we travel home to see them whenever we can they come to visit us i don't know it's just a a a lifestyle part of it like Mm -hmm. it's just it it doesn't fit in right now and there are things that we just want to do uh genetics um we have some learning disability um mental challenges and stuff on one side of the family and um other mental illnesses on the other side of the family mm-hmm. so thinking about possibly bringing someone into the world that one day I will leave behind and might not be able to take care of themselves mm-hmm. or knowing that coupled with knowing that we will have family members to take care of in the future right um just it, it, it's like it's a very difficult burden to put on a person financially emotionally um especially with me and my husband we are huge planners mm-hmm. and we like to kind of like assess all pros cons and and all aspects of the situation to help us make decisions and there's just so much about children and then no and then genetics you, you can't you can't yeah. guarantee anything yeah. <laughs> i mean it even if you have this perfectly healthy child, you mm-hmm. can't guarantee what they're going to be be like or what decisions they're going to make in their life. And that is just so, like, out of your control, mm-hmm. which makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and we know we're probably going to have people to take care of when we're older. Mm. And we just don't want to put that, that unknown, risky challengeness mm-hmm. on us. We're not, not we don't want to, we don't, we're not equipped. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Now, was it hard for you guys to come to that decision, or was that something you guys talked about before you got married or after? We we definitely talked about it. Um, surprisingly, we I think we talked more about it after marriage because we were him and I were just so on the same page when it comes to money and politics and religion and lifestyle and all of it. Everything's like super in a line. So weird i'm so blessed that that that's the case with us mm-hmm. um so happy <laughs> it makes things a lot easier when you're in aligned on, on those big things um but we've talked about it a lot and you can both you can feel the stress on both of us and, and the burden on both of us that we're kind of like it's kind of a scary thing to know that that's what we're walking into and we just don't want to bring another child into the world yeah yeah 
Now, the, I guess challenges, you know. I'm a huge supporter in people making the best decision for their womb. Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's like, well, you were born with ovaries or, <laughs> you know, regardless of what the child may be diagnosed with, you know, you should still want to have the child. I, I because of my own experience with Ezra, mm-hmm. I feel like if someone is on the fence, don't know, doesn't want to, I feel like in most cases, if you have the luxury of making that conscious decision mm-hmm. to really feel like you are in it. You don't have to be 100% in it, but like in it. And if not, then not. it's okay to not want to do it because mm-hmm. it's so much work. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot. And it does change your lifestyle. It changes your future plans, like all of it. And if, and like you said, like there are some people who didn't necessarily want children and some children didn't get that best of what they could have had had it been a different type of situation. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like, being that we're in the South and we're in Georgia, <laughs> have people said anything negative or judged or criticized? People definitely try to convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. They, they, they like go out of their way to like talk about how it's the best thing in, that you've ever done. It makes your life so fulfilled. And you know they just want to convince me that I will inevitably change my mind and you shouldn't wait too long because then you're going to be you know an old mother or a geriatric mother or it might be too hard to have kids or this that and the other and I'm just like it's, I, I try to let it roll off because that's just how they feel right and, and that's what it was for them yeah that's what it was for them but I don't think it would be that way for me we we have talked um a lot about fostering mm-hmm. or adopting so I'm not ruling that out neither of us are ruling that out as a possibility in the future but the idea of us bringing a genetic child into the world that will not likely will not happen we've made that decision gotcha have you ever felt offended by anything anyone has said or you feel like you just let it roll off I think every um I think I was probably more of just uncomfortable than mm. offended just because I am comfortable with my decision, with mm. our decision. And it's just uncomfortable to have someone continue to try and convince you or to continue to try and push you or talk to you about it because you're like, I'm, I'm not going to change my mind. So can we just end this conversation right. and move yeah. on? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just, and they, they don't see that. So what I've equated that to now is, you know, you have two political rivals, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so two people that think different politically, like they're never going to agree. And uh, I mean, you can hear each other's arguments and, mm-hmm. and be um, professional about it and polite about it. And that's try to, that's kind of the way I try to do it. And in my own life, I actually have missed out on factoids of my friends' lives or acquaintances' lives because I feel so sensitive about it. I know what it's like for people to continually ask me, I will not ask someone, oh, are you pregnant? Are mm. you going to have kids? Mm-hmm. Do you have a spouse? How's mm. your husband? Yes. How's your girlfriend? Like, I don't ask those questions. Right. I let people bring it to me mm-hmm. because I know how delicate it can be for some people. And everybody has a different threshold of that comfort. Like with right. me, I have had it so much that I'm kind of like, this is just how that person feels. So I'm just going to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to change my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other people could be a lot more sensitive and become offended. Right. So I never want to be that person to even yeah. bring up a subject that might set someone off. Yeah. So I think that's a great advice for people to mind their womb 
mm-hmm. and not ask because you like you said you never know mm-hmm. um, what someone's dealing with someone could be trying to conceive and are struggling yes. or someone could have had three miscarriages or someone just doesn't want to have children mm-hmm. or someone hasn't met someone there's plenty of things but what what advice would you give someone who has decided not to have children to be able to combat those people who want to get in their business mm-hmm. um Let's see. Well, there's the people that you see on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. There's those people, and then there's the random Joe Schmoes, right? But the people that continually kind of get into your business, that you see regularly, family, friends, or or colleagues or something, that are continually trying to tell you how great it is, I would say realize that you're not going to – if that person is always going to do that one thing, you are not going to change how they feel or what they say or how they what they do to you. Mm-hmm. You can only control your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. So just recognize those people in your life that are going to do that thing that sets you off or makes you feel offended or whatever it is when, that is going to tell you, oh, you should have kids. Mm-hmm. Identify those people. Know that you're not going to change those people, that you can only control your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last thing is now that this life that you have, because you talked about your lifestyle and you guys travel, and you are in the makings of starting a new business. Yes. So tell us about all of that. So in the last couple of years, um, you know, uh, I've been trying to live a healthier lifestyle mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so I've started... Um, Picking up different hobbies, meditating, yoga, um, trying to eat more organic things, not put as much junk into my mouth, mm-hmm. you know, watch my portion control, exercise more, like all of those healthy trends that you try and do. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to take a little pieces of them, right? Um, and then one of the hobbies I picked up was uh, soap making. Mm. I took a class and it was relaxing and it was fun. And I really care about what I'm putting into my body and on my body. I would like to age well and gracefully. <laughs> um, then, you know, I have this environmental aspect, like I wish we treated our environment better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of all of these combinations of things that I've been thinking about and reading about and Instagramming and looking through, you know, pictures on Pinterest and stuff. And it's kind of all culminated into, I, I found a lot of relaxation in soap making and using natural skin products. So I've decided to make a soap making business. So you know I'm probably gonna you know explore into like bath bombs and lotions and mm-hmm. serums and stuff too. But starting with the soap and making all natural soaps, um, starting with uh, selling on Etsy and farmers market, something small because I really like the handmade aspect of it because mm-hmm. it's relaxing to me. I want to share it with all of my friends, family, and community because right. I want to promote a healthier lifestyle and putting natural products. Um, on your body and in your body. So it kind of just all came together in, um, in the last uh, year that I've been doing this. So. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, the company's called uh, Katerina Concepts. And uh, I went with that name because my name's Catherine. My gra- I'm named after my grandmother, my father's mother, Catherine Katerina. Uh, who's Italian. She was born in Cosenza, mm-hmm. Italy. And... Katarina is um, Italian for pure, and I mm. want all of my ingredients to be pure, and concepts because 
I hope to open it up to more body mm, products, not I just soaps eventually. So that's what I went with. That's awesome. So I'm in the makings of, you know, getting the logo and the Etsy store up and running. Um, and when then, can we expect, like, a launch? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I'll probably launch in the spring. So probably okay. April time frame. It's no, probably going to take me close. another month. Yeah. <laughs> and I do a cold process soap. So it takes six weeks to cure the soaps. Ooh. So you can't just make it and start selling it. You have, to, <laughs> you have to put up an inventory and it takes six weeks to be ready to sell it. So, um, so that's why I need to give myself a little buffer time to get the inventory up and the, and the shop and everything online. Gotcha. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm hoping this spring. I'm excited. That's good. And yeah. that's also good that you're always doing things. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I'm really excited about this because, I don't know, it's bringing together lots of different passions. Mm. So I'm really hoping, it, hoping that eventually I can garden and grow the herbs that I will use mm. to make the oils. I love that. In the soaps. Now, that, that is like huge, a lot of work, a lot of time-consuming things. So it's not a mass production type thing. But mm-hmm. that is not what I want. I want to do something very handmade that I find therapeutic for my mind, body, and soul. And then share that with the community. So, And at least like this is therapeutic for you. Yes. And also healthy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also like that creative hands-on thing that you've always kind of talked about that you can do. Right. Good. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to my ramblings.